The Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. AJ Salveson on one side. That's me, Eric Franson on the other. You can't hear him except for his mic. Why do you keep muting me? Why do you turn on the lights like, okay, so in the morning, do you just get out of bed and just flip on all the lights just to wake your wife up? I get six or seven in the morning and pure dark. You just do it just because you think it's funny? No. Why I mean, would I do that? I was sitting here relaxingly in the dark. What is that? Are you a vampire? And Are you opposed to the light? Yeah, Are you a creature so, of the dark? So Spence Checkets, when I used to be uh, in working in sports radio in Salt Lake, he used to always do his shows in the dark. Always. Eyes were always off. And then I was kind of like, and so I started doing them in the dark a little bit, and I was like, this is actually kind of comfortable. Like, you're not being was blinded he, by everything. He wasn't doing it in the dark out of necessity, was he? <laughs> no. Bright lights add to an already no. bad headache? Stop it. Stop it, Eric. You know better. I just asked You him. know better, Eric. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. Hey, a lot to get to today and a little amount of time to do it here on the Full Court Press. Welcome here on a Tuesday, October 29th. A very cold, cold, cold Tuesday. Stay warm. It's going to be cold the rest of the week as well. Uh, 402, your start time. Eric, did you uh, wake up to a bunch of snow on your car? Uh, oh, boy. It's I'm not here. ready for this. I'm not ready for Dude, this. Dude, we skip Which summer. Is odd because we skip I, spring. Actually, I love. I, ac- I actually love winter because I like I to. I hate it. I like to go skiing. I think it's. An, if it wasn't for skiing, I would hate winter. But um, I, I like to go skiing. But I'm not ready for this. It's like we didn't have fall. It just like it was summer, and then it was cold, <laughs> and then it was wet, and then it got more cold. We never had that ease into fall. You know, warm days, cool nights. And so, all of a sudden, it's like, okay, we've had enough of that. Let's march in winter right well. So back in India, when I used to live there, we never got snowed on. And it was great. We always had green or brown Christmases. Mm-hmm. And they were wonderful. Mm-hmm. And now, when I moved here, was forcibly removed here. I I encountered white snow and I've hated it ever since I was here. How many weeks old were you? Whoa, whoa, <laughs> whoa! Months, okay? Oh, months, months, months. Okay. Be respectful. <laughs> weeks, months. Hey, some big storylines along the way. The NFL trade deadline has come and gone. Did anybody go? Did anybody stay? And were people upset about it? Well, it's kind of a really a deadpan trade deadline for as many rumors were going around in the NFL, Eric. Yeah, nothing really stands out. There were a few things that happened, but um, I don't know if there's really a lot. That- no, nothing nothing notable, I should say. I mean, there were a few things that happened in the weeks leading up to it. Yeah. I mean, the Ramsey trade to the Rams is probably the biggest thing that And I that think took the Cowboys place. were going to go after him in the trade as well, and that didn't work out. Le'Veon Bell ends up staying put in New York Jets. Uh, Patriots had thoughts of going after O.J. Howard. That doesn't work out. So, yeah, I mean, a lot of just deadpan, you know, hours here in the uh, trade deadline where 
really nothing happens. I mean, probably the biggest name, Akib Talib, goes from the Rams. And Dude, we're talking about the Rams a lot here. That was such a blessing for LA, though. But he's been injured a lot. Uh, he was a high profile player when he was healthy, he's but he hasn't been. Too. Right, there's been some issues. Uh, so they're sending him to the Dolphins uh, to get some. Hopefully, they don't. Uh, uh, some picks maybe down the road. They the, the Rams keep trading away their draft picks. Yeah. And so it kind of makes sense for them to do something to get back into the draft, but not really a heck of a whole lot else to really shake a stick at. Uh, at least not today. I mean, there yeah. were, like we said, there's a few things that have happened over the week or two leading up to it. Um, because, I mean, the Patriots went out and got a new wide receiver. Uh, you know, we talked about Jalen Ramsey on the move uh, to the Rams, but not really a whole lot of significance. World Series action tonight, Game 6. We'll get into that preview here in just a couple minutes. We also have a huge, huge news story that has came out from the NCAA whose top decision makers have voted unanimously to start the process of modifying its rule to allow college athletes to benefit from their name and images and likenesses in a manner, as they said, quote-unquote, consistent with the collegiate model. So for you who need to have it explained as like a five-year-old, college athletes are going to start getting paid everywhere. Well, right. They're, the NCAA is trying to be careful about how they say this because you can profit off of your image and likeness, but you won't get paid to play. That's correct, yes. So the distinguishing factor there is you still get a scholarship or or preferred walk-on status, whatever. I mean, that doesn't change. Like, you get a scholarship to come play for this program. Basketball, college football, volleyball, golf, whatever. So you still get that to... And and, uh, your compensation, in air quotes, is a scholarship, room and board, meals. Sure sounds like compensation to me. But uh, you don't get paid additional dollars. Could you imagine? But what this rule does is that oh, I could. Uh, well, I could go down to the local up on a magazine, dealer. though. I go down to the local car dealer and say, hey, I'm Joe Buckets, and I like to shoot threes. And when I'm not shooting threes, I'm test driving the new Ford Explorer. And my buddies down here do a great job, and they show me the ropes, and I love these guys. So you could do stuff like that. But you don't get paid for it necessarily right away, so it doesn't affect some of your eligibility. So it's like you can do these things, you can get compensation, but you kind of, from what I understand, you get it after you graduate. But it's still being discussed. Could you imagine how much money Sam Merrill would have made after the season? <laughs> well, so that's part of the d- discussion now is, okay, who benefits from this the most and some people are saying the colleges and universities in the biggest cities because they're going to have a bigger footprint to draw from. But I don't know that that's necessarily the case. I mean, yeah, there's probably more money to go after in those places, but there are also some other communities of a decent size where college is, is bigger because you go in these other markets and the pro sports are bigger. But you're going to go into some places where the, the college athletes are competing with the professional athletes for some similar things. Uh, and I think it's going to create a whole new industry in athletic departments 
where somebody's going to be on staff and going out and trying to arrange different endorsement deals for the players on their campus. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 going to be really interesting. In fact, here is uh, Gene Smith in what it means for the uh, NCAA. Hopefully there's rational, reasonable, and prudent decisions that are made uh, that look at what we do, understand that we're the practitioners, we live in this space, and allow us to do our work. Um, obviously, we, we can't influence uh, what others think in that regard, but hopefully they'll watch us and give us time to do our work and, and then evaluate. Well, Gene Smith is the Ohio State Athletic Director uh, currently. he, uh, Him and uh, Commissioner of the Big East Commissioner Val Ackerman uh, presented the recommendations to the board members on how to modify the NCAA rules on students profiting from names, images, and likenesses. Uh, Smith and Ackerman, uh, Ackerman have spent the uh, past several months, they're, they were the ones who kind of spearheaded this whole entire thing to to get it where it is now. Again, a big, big thing, though, for the NCAA. And you know what's really great about this, Eric, is that the video games for NCAA will come back. I mean, it won't be next year. It won't be maybe. It might take a couple, two, it's three years. It's going to take a couple of years. The but, California law doesn't go into effect for another couple of years. I'm just saying, though, when it comes back, dude, that thing is going to be sold out just like that. I mean, that thing's going to be extremely popular. I can't wait for that. That's what I'm really excited about. But uh, that's just me. So, um, uh, Emmert, who's head guy with the. Uh, NCAA, yep. right? Mm-hmm. Um, he says that he ins- expects member schools will quickly agree that college athletes should be able to profit from activities that aren't directly related to activities unconnected to being an athlete. If you can follow that. But he says the devil is in the details when it comes to deciding what kind of change comes in allowing like sponsorship deals that are directly related to a student's popularity for being an athlete. Because there, part of this is, what if you're? Uh, we just keep using Sam Merrill. What if? Okay, we know Sam Merrill's a great college basketball player, but what if he has a YouTube channel? We're talking about gaming. Well, the fact that he's Sam Merrill will obviously get a lot of attention, but what if he's getting opportunities for ads to go through there or endorsement opportunities through there? Um, that are unrelated to what he does on the court. Right now, he couldn't do that. He couldn't receive that compensation because it would affect his eligibility. But this could, in in theory, change some of that. But it's also a big question still about how does it affect what an athlete does that is obvious that what they do on the court or on the field is connected to this sponsorship deal. So they're still working out some details. There are some people who say this doesn't go far enough. This doesn't go as far as the California law, which is very broad and would allow for a lot of things to happen. But um, at least it's the NCAA is recognizing there is a sea change that's happening here and they need to get out in front of it. They're way behind on getting in front of it. and Maybe they're still not in front of it, but there are what is it, about a half dozen to almost a dozen different states that are actively discussing something like what California just passed. People in Congress are talking about it, about making it a federal thing. So the NCAA realized that if they 
if they want to act and not be acted upon, they need to act sooner rather than later. It's very well said. Very, very well said. All right, well, let's move on. Again, NCAA has uh, approved of uh, unanimously voted that uh, a- athletes can be uh, profit from having their name, image, or likeness used in some manner or form. Uh, game six of the World Series tonight, Washington at Houston. It only took, after the Houston Astros trailed two games to nil, it took the Houston Astros, that same team, a one weekend, three days, to flip-flop the table and be on the brink of a second World Series title in three years. That still is just mind-boggling to me that it took three days, just three days, and a 19-3 to run in those three days to be like, all right, we're good. Let's go back home and win this thing now. Eric, when you, how, like, give me, if you had to say one way of how this was done, that being down 2-0 where you couldn't hit the broad side of a barn, swinging with a paddle, that you all of a sudden are finding it and you crank out, what, six, five, six home runs in one game? Well, what happened? <laughs> I don't know. I fear the Na- Washington Nationals, you're trying to figure that out too. Um, it, it's, it's an odd series that the road team, and that's really not just the series. I mean, for much of the playoffs, and the Major League Baseball playoffs, we've seen road teams do really well. Home field advantage hasn't really meant a whole lot. Yep. Certainly not in the National League. Not at all. But um, generally speaking, this has been a really weird postseason in that home field advantage uh, isn't necessarily an advantage. Uh, And and so what was the difference for Houston? What caused them to start to turn it around? We heard uh, after last week, after being down 0-2, that that Astros organization just felt like, look, all it takes is one game. All it takes is one game to turn this thing around. <laughs> sure enough, here we are, th- three games later, and it has completely flipped around. Absolutely has, but no matter what, for manager A.J. Hinch and the Houston Astros, they are trying to just keep same level mentality. I think it's important for our team to to play today exactly how we've played the, the previous, um, I don't know how many, 16 post, postseason games that we've played, and that that's try to win today's game and, and you know, kind of all hands on deck, the right mentality, the approach. There's no soft landing into a game seven. So um, we'd be foolish to think that we have some sort of longer leash to just because we, you know, we're not in an elimination game for us. Um, anything can happen. And I think if you change your mentality, you might change your results. And uh, same thing for Michael Brantley is, again, staying level. Yeah, I think that's the veteran leadership that, steps, that stepped up. Um, guys been here before. Um, they know what it takes to win. I think this is a special team in that locker room that prides themselves on, you know, acting the same way, uh, being accountable every day, day in and day out, and we do a good job of it. For the Astros, they'll have uh, Justin Verlander on the mound. Again, 1-3 with a 4.15 ERA this postseason. Trying to close out the Nationals, who they put on the mound, Steven Strasburg, who's 4-0, 1.93 ERA. Uh, this, uh, this group or this duo met in uh, Game 2. And obviously, Steven got the best of him pretty easily. So for me, my key for Verlander tonight will be uh, you got to get ahead in the count early. As in the at-bats, you have to be ahead early. Because if you put one down the middle, you're down 3-1 in the count. You have to throw a strike. They're going to, I mean, they're going to sit. 
They're gonna sit on it. It's like a linebacker teeing off on a quarterback, no, and then timing the cadence. It's it's the same exact thing. And for a batter, if you can time that quote unquote cadence, if you will, uh, this this Nationals team can get on a roll really really quickly. Yeah, they can. It doesn't take much for them. Um, so you can't give them any breathing room. And if I'm the Nationals, um, you got to find that form that you had in games one and two. Can you find it though, Eric? After losing three straight at home. Can you find that mojo, or is it? I mean, are you starting from scratch again? Um, I'm. It's not. It's not for me to count them out after what they did yeah. to the Dodgers, what they did to the Braves. Um, but and they they put pressure on the opposing team and put pressure on their opposing uh, uh, pitchers, pitching staff too, and so they were able to jump out. And uh, pretty early in some of those games. So um, I don't know if the Nationals can win a game if they don't have that, uh, if they're going cl- to extend this to a game seven, if they don't get out early mm-hmm. against the Astros tonight. Yeah, I, I'm the same way. And for Steven Strasburg, he's just got to, I mean, you're, really his power and his strength and the velocity on his fastball is great. He's just got to hit his spots and mix up his spots too. You know, if you throw a changeup down low, go straight up and go, I mean, chin high. Don't go at his chin, but go chin high on a fastball, maybe up and away. Mix up your changeup and your fastball. Mix up your breaking ball as much as you possibly can and and see if they'll be, they'll go back to that undisciplined way that the Astros were in games one and two. Swing in a balls that were 40 feet outside the plate and in the dirt before they even got there. If you can do that again, you're going to be able to get them off the hook. Offensively for the Washington Nationals, you've got to find your groove again. Look, small ball is kind of what they've been all about. If you can get one to two runners on every single inning and milk that pitch count of Verlander and get into their bullpen and eat that, you have a really good shot. The other problem is, is even when they are in scoring positions in games three, four, and five, they couldn't score them. 19 to three in three games. They got one run at home in each of those games. You've got to score guys in scoring position. That has been their Achilles heel, surprisingly. Who would have thought in games three, four, and five? Yeah, right. Don't leave guys stranded. Get them advanced. Get them over the plate. Um, I think this is going to be a really, really interesting game because I don't think Verlander has been really that crisp. I think Strasburg has. But at the same time, Houston really wants to close this thing out because... It hasn't been their place. This has been, It's been the Nationals' place in the World Series. Uh, and so they got to try to reassert that this is their home and they know how to play their best. And um, yeah, it, I think it'll be really interesting to see if, if Houston can muster enough offense against Strasburg and then if uh, Houston defensively can keep guys out of scoring position um, and see if they can really dial up their defense. Looking at both pitchers, here's A.J. Hinch on Verlander's struggles in the first inning in this postseason. Maybe. Come on. These are really good teams that have really good top of the orders. There's no free pass in the first inning, and it doesn't get easier as the game goes on. It just... It's part of, of what his October has been this 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 October so far. But um, just because it's happened before, it doesn't mean it has to define what's going to happen tonight. So um, I look for him to be really good in the first. And then on the other side, Michael Brantley talking about having to face Strasburg. Well, he's a great pitcher. Uh, he has you know three quality pitches that he throws at any given time. So uh, we got to come out with a good game plan, a team approach, 
and uh, hopefully have some good consecutive bats. Again, if they can string together at bats and you can get this Astros offense on a roll and on a roll early, you can almost say good night to your uh, to your season into this World Series. Hey, speaking of the World Series, really quick, I'm going to take a step aside. According to the Nilton rating, and you've actually talked about this quite a bit, uh, it is at a all time low. Well, I guess I want to say all time low in the last seven years. In regards to viewership, it has not been good. Now, some no. will blame it on the fact that there's been other things on. All right, you got college football, you've got NFL, you've got NBA, you've got, I mean, you, Bachelor in Paradise, me, Dancing with the Stars. So, I mean, we've got other shows that are on that will take players, and it's over this, the World Series. In fact, this is the least watched World Series in Corden Nielsen uh, since 2012. I guess actually comes in just behind 2012. An average of 12.6 million people watch the San Francisco Giants beat the Detroit Tigers. That's how bad this one is. Yeah, I know that the uh, the, the the TV executives were really hoping for a Dodgers Yankees series, yeah. the two biggest media markets, and it's across the country. And those were a lot of celebrities that would be at those games. Uh, it would be high profile, but. It didn't work out that way. And the the Nationals, nobody saw them coming. Uh, so Major League Baseball didn't really have a lot, or these the TV producers weren't able to really get the hype machine going for the team they didn't expect to be there. But um, yeah, it's unfortunate. You talk about all these other things going on, but if it's baseball and if it's good baseball, it shouldn't matter what else is going on. You, you tune in to watch the World Series. Uh, Scherzer has been cleared to start Game 7. Uh, do you see a Game 7 coming? I don't think so. I think that the Astros have found themselves again. It took them to go on the road and to do it uh, not in their place. But I think they close it out tonight. They don't want a Game 7. If they allow the Nationals to get back into the series emotionally, then then Houston is the team that will be playing a little bit more tight tomorrow. Uh, they'll be the team that more pressure is on them. Um, and more. Uh, I think more people will be swinging for the Nationals as the underdogs to get some things done. So I think for Houston, if they want to win this thing, they got to get it done tonight. Yeah, it's interesting. I like Strasburg on the mound. I think it's a great fit for him. Um, in regards to pitching matchup, I give Strasburg the edge. But in regards of hitting, I give the Astros the edge. I think they're in that groove. They got settled in for games uh, three, four, and five. They look great now. I just don't see them. I mean, I don't think you'll see a blowout, but I think you'll see a game comfortably won in the Astros' favor, giving them their second title in three years in the World Series, which is, I mean, this this team, I remember four years ago, I used to be the executive producer for Salt Lake Bees Baseball Radio with Steve Klauke, and we'd play the Fresno Grizzlies, right? So I saw guys like Alex Bregman in person, Springer in person, and they were good. I mean, they'd come here every year at least once for the three years. They would come here and beat us by double digits and then shut us out. So we lost 17 nothing, 21 nothing, and 15 nothing, Back-to-back-to-back years, at least one game. It was incredible, and those guys were really the the catalyst of those routes. and And now seeing them in the World Series and, and being here as for as many times as they are, it just it doesn't surprise me for in, in the in the least bit how good this Astros team is. But I got to ask you. So we talk about 
like the Golden State Warriors dynasty or what should have been the Oklahoma City Thunder dynasty, right? Uh, is this going to be one of those things where these guys won't stick around for long because of free agency? Uh, for the Astros? Yeah. How uh, long can this team last? That's a good question that I'm not qualified to answer. Um, because they've they've had a nice run here. Yeah, they won the World Series a few years ago. They were in the playoffs last year. Uh, they're back into the World Series again this year. Um, how much of that can they keep? Because when you have that kind of a string of success, a lot of other people come calling and wanting you to come be a part of their program. Um, but uh, if they can keep it together, I don't see that a lot's going to slow them down too much. Uh, yeah, I think the the Yankees are an improving program that will continue to give them a, a run in the uh, American League. But, but I, I, I would like to see Houston stick around uh, as this current core exists. It's great pitching. They've got some great bats. Uh, I know that there's been some controversy with the team, with the front office, and how it's dealt with some things, and a closer that had uh, some domestic issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe that's part of what play here, why the ratings aren't doing that great. But um, but it, it's a good baseball team. It's well-organized. They do well, and um, I, don't, I, I think they're going to win tonight, and I think it'd be Interesting if they could keep things together. All right, we're going to take a break. Coming back, a really cool article written by one of uh, our state's own at one time before he left to bigger time and bigger things, Eric Woodyard, uh, about the All-Star game. A certain individual was notified, and he had a clear message for the NBA. It's fans, players, and coaches alike. It's Eric France and Amaje Salvas, and you listen to the Full Court Press on 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The new home for the Full Court Press. Weekday afternoons from 4 to 6 on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Full Court Press, 106.9 The Fan, 1390 AM. Don't forget, you can also call in with your thoughts, questions, and concerns. 435-752-1069. And don't forget, the world-famous home Gold Trowers are coming to Cash Valley, Ridgeline specifically, on Friday night, November 8th. That's next Friday night, November 8th. And The Fan is a chance for your son or daughter to be an honorary Junior Globetrotter b-ball kid. They'll watch the game from the Globetrotter bench, get free tickets and autographs for the whole family, plus a Globetrotter's shirt and a commemorative basketball. You can sign up at 1069thefan.com. Tickets available at ticketweb.com. And don't forget, 1069 Fan listeners can save $5 by using promo code SAVE5. That's S-A-V-E-5. All right, uh, Eric Woodyard, who uh, did a great job as a jazz beat writer, and then moved on to the big leagues, that being ESPN, uh, wrote a really great article uh, that was published out today about an hour ago. And it's it's about uh, this All-Star game, which, by the way, if you've been hiding underneath a rock, is going to be in Salt Lake City. The NBA All-Star game will be 30 years later. Exactly. 30 years later. Uh, from in the last All-Star game when Carmelo and John Stockton were named co-MVPs in Salt Lake City. That was then the Delta Center. Now it's Viv- Vivint Smart Home Arena. And Carmelo, who was notified about it, uh, 
about this announcement of the All-Star Weekend in 2023. His reaction was, quote, it's about damn time, end quote. Couldn't agree more, by the way, Mr. Malone. Uh, This this event holds so much regard, and the way, and what for Carl Malone, what he says is so great about the NBA All-Star Game coming here to Salt Lake City is these misconceptions around the NBA and around the world are going to be cleared up. He says, quote, look, we're going to see the same host of characters that go to every All-Star game, and they're going to put all the celebrities on the front row, which is bull explicative, or expletive, I should say, by the way. <laughs> but the thing about it is to be able to be at home and showing people our city, and not the stereotype of, ah, it's Utah, oh, it's the Mormons. But, hey, it's Baptist, Catholic, Jewish, and just a whole smorgasbord of religions, races, and ethnicities, but it's all got that rep. Everybody is quick to say, oh, I don't know about Utah because you can't find alcohol. But first of all, it's a state liquor store on every corner. And then on on the flip side of it, hell, bring your own, he says. He continues, it's just that stereotype, but it's amazing. And I just smile and I couldn't help but say, it's about damn time that it came back. So even though I'm not involved in it at this point, I'm just so happy. Uh, He says uh, he does... Still cheer for the Los Angeles Lakers. Remember, his final year was playing for the Lakers where they went to the NBA Finals and were crushed by the Detroit Pistons in 2004 um, by that incredible defense led by Ben Wallace. He says he's a diehard fan of uh, the rising star Donovan Mitchell. Uh, He's honored by the Jazz Purple Mountain Classic jerseys this season. Uh, And by the way, he loved, loved the court. And I don't know how you did. If you haven't seen it yet, it looks gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful. Uh... And uh, Don actually has put out an edition of the Mailman shoes uh, in the Don Issue Signature One sneakers. Uh, and he says about Donovan Mitchell, I'm going to quote him here too as well. When you're young, uh, let me restart that. When you're young, you're going from zero to 100, but now he's actually letting the game come to him, and that's what happens. After three or four years, the game starts slowing down for you, and that's what he's starting to do. I love watching him. And then on Mike Conley. I love the team and everybody just relax. This is so Carmelone right here, by the way. Mike Conley is going to come around. This is a new situation. Everybody just needs to relax and take a chill because he's going to be just fine. And once he starts clicking, they're going to be something special. That's my prediction, and I could be wrong. I'll tell you that I'm wrong, but I am uh, But I just love the whole makeup of the team. To me, we, he, he puts himself in that, have the talent, but now the coaches have to put them in a position to succeed. And that's just my take because you've got the talent. You've got it all, but now the game is starting to slow down for Donovan, and it's so cool to watch him, and he just has fun. I love watching him. I love watching the whole team. Again, that's uh, the Melman Carmelone. His thoughts on the 2023 All-Star game being in Salt Lake City and on this team. We'll talk Utah Jazz coming up uh, in the second hour. They get a squeaker of a win past the Phoenix Suns. And what was a f- really physical game and an uncomfortable game. We'll we'll get to that as to why later. Um, by the way, uh, Malone says the Jazz haven't contacted him about in- committing to any all-star festivities, although the front office says will uh, they will when it is the right time. Now, Mailman to that says... I'm not going to lie. It does bother me. Look, hurting feelings, that seems like a wimp, so I'm going to I'm not going to say that, but it does piss me off that it's like they spent their time getting rid of legacies. Ooh. Now in their own way, they're trying to bring it back to make it seem like they didn't do it in the first place. I'm not bitter now, but yeah, it just 
ticks you off. Really front and forward words there by the by the mailman and uh, as everybody knows, uh, the relationship between him and Larry Miller, excuse me, Mr. Larry H. Miller, uh, the late Larry H. Miller, was deteriorated pretty quickly uh, towards the end of his final year with the Utah Jazz. There was always this thing, like these bumpy relationships and this roller coaster between the two, uh, and, and between you know Jerry Sloan and Mr. Larry H. Miller. But Malone had this personality that was very outgoing. He wore his emotions uh, on the sleeves. And and Mr. Miller was the exact same way. An owner who will go barge into the locker room at halftime when his team's down 25 in a meaningless February basketball game. It's And then, you know, kind of go on this rant and this temper tantrum, if you will, towards the team interrupting the head coach Jerry Sloan is, is pretty crazy. I mean, that tells you a lot about Mr. Miller in itself just based on his emotion. But... After he left, and then he not only just left, but then he went to the Lakers, things really, like the bridge just completely came down between the two. Uh, and so he he feels like the organization pushed him, this, this Hall of Famer and this guy who did whatever he could to help take the Jazz to 18 straight years of consecutive playoffs along with John Stockton, feels like they just wanted to put him in the dark, shut him out, and, and leave that story behind. But now they want him back, and I and to be honest, um, I never felt like the Jazz pushed him away ever. Uh, I think there was relationships and, and bridges that were burned, but I don't think it was destroyed to the point that they said you can never come back. This wasn't Chris Webber in Michigan. This wasn't Reggie Bush in USC. This was a player who wanted to go in a championship ring, realized that the table or at least the the end of the rope with the Utah Jazz had come to an end after Stockton retired. And seeing what the roster looked like, he wanted to go do what's best for him. I completely understand that. He gave eight, what, 19 great years to the Utah Jazz. Why would we all of a sudden crucify him for leaving to go try to go win a championship ring? Look, Joe Johnson did it. He requested to leave so he could go get a ring. So what's the difference? Why are we so angry? I don't get that. It, it, it bothers me. I mean, people look when they when people see Carl Malone on uh, you know at the game, and we're showing the jumbotron. He's going to get a standing ovation. He's going to get booed out of the arena. And so I'm not sure why Carl Malone feels like that. I just I. Doesn't quite make sense. Now, a source told ESPN that the Jazz organization would love to have both Stockton and Malone as involved as they can be at these all-star festivities and want to be as the organization begins crafting specific programs and opportunities. Now, as you all remember, Malone was also a big part of the 2002 Winter Olympics, um, uh, helping out in, the, in that regard, too. So, he's also he's always had a hand in the big events in Salt Lake City. This, this absolutely changes nothing, except for that reunion. You remember the... Uh, Reunion where they had the uh, first Jazz Finals team uh, come back together, and they had a big dinner the night before, and then they had the the press conference the next day, and then they you know they honored him at halftime. Uh, and in regards of of I guess honoring him or having him be involved, Carmelone concluded with this: I don't want them to feel like they're supposed to or they're obligated to. No, 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 not at all. They're obligated to do nothing for Carmelo, and Carmelo is obligated to do nothing for them. But our history, we 
we have, it would be refreshing. Life goes on and it's just going to be just fine. Look, I'm not whining. I would say you're doing something else, buddy. Uh, when it happens generically and nobody feels obligated, that's when it feels special. I love and respect the jazz owner, Gail Miller, so much that if she called and told me she needs my help and she don't have to, but if she did and said that, I would drop everything I do. That's respect I have for her and the Miller family. Then why, Carl, are you going after the jazz organization? For a guy who did as much as you did for this team and the franchise and the for how much the city and the state loves you, why would he feel like that? That makes absolutely no sense to me in any way, shape, or form. You were the leader, wife one of them, in to, uh, to guide this team to a back-to-back trips in the, uh, in the NBA Finals. Um, kept us in it in 98, to be honest with you. Why would all of a sudden, with a franchise... And and the and the organization turned its back from you. Why would the city turn its back from you? It doesn't make any sense at all. Now maybe there's stuff going on behind the scenes that we don't know about, but I have a feeling that that bitterness that he says it isn't there, but I obviously it still is, is why he uh, um, wasn't able even to come to the dinner uh, before the reunion or it was the night before. Um, I, I know he did have another family matter that came up, but. Um, really unfortunate that the the fans couldn't see him there. By the way, I it, just side way off side tangent, if I may, here really quickly. Uh, what was really cool about that night, or excuse me, about that press conference, is when uh, Coach Jerry Sloan was there, and uh, he's at the he's at the podium and sitting with him is uh, John Stockton, uh, Jeff Hornacek, uh, and and there's questions being asked, and and Jerry sometimes would. You know, just, I mean, because of the dementia and, and, and the problems he's having, uh, he would sometimes forget what he was saying. I do it all the time, right? I don't have either problem. But he would for, sometimes forget what he was saying. And John Stockton would do such a wonderful job of just stepping in and filling in for him. Filling in those little gaps to kind of add in for, for Coach Sloan. It was one of the really cool sentimental things. And it just it tells you about the relationship between Stockton and Sloan. Um, obviously the relationship with Sloan, it's hard to build one according to many players, Carl Malone included, Darren Williams included, Darren had to go back and apologize what he felt like he needed to. And, and Sloan really never accepted his apologize, except just, just kind of wrap back to him of, yeah, you were kind of an S over, uh, but Darren Williams realized how important Jerry Sloan was to him. And a lot of these players did too. And so, uh, again, what, what, I would love to see if it's possible, and it probably won't be. But you know, you'll get Malone there. Um, you, I, if you get Malone there, you're probably going to have Stockton there more or less um, likely. And then I don't know if if Sloan will even be able to make it. Uh, and you know, God willing, if he can, hopefully even be alive at that point and and some way be a part of it. That'd be one of the coolest, coolest things for us as Jazz fans. Uh, to be able to see and, and it would bring back really, really great memories of when the Jazz were this dominant team. Dominating days were bad. I mean, year after year after year, they're one of the top teams in the Western Conference. Year after year after year, they'd be uh, uh, in the playoffs. And year after year after year, they'd be competing for a spot in the Western Conference Finals or be in the Western Conference Finals itself until finally they were able to break the uh, the glass in 97 and then in 98, falling short to the Chicago Bulls and Michael Jordan. But again, uh, I'd love to see a little reunion between Sloan, Stockton, and Malone at the Salt Lake City uh, All NBA All Star Game in 2023. It'd be one of the coolest things 
Uh, and I think it'd be great for the Utah Jazz and for the state of Utah as well, and more so for the NBA, uh, who needs to recognize what, you know, we talked, they talked about the great players being Magic Johnson, Isaiah Thomas, um, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen. I mean, the list goes on and on and on, right? Well, it's time that we get back to recognizing how great John Stockton and Carmelo were back in this day, 92 and 93 when they did this, uh, um, just how really at the top of their game both these players were. They were so good. And I, I hopefully we'll get a chance to be able to, to refresh the NBA's world um, and their minds uh, uh, just about that. All right, we'll take a break. Coming back, we'll uh, get to some more sporting news. Don't forget, we'll also have our player of the week, stat that blew our mind, and uh, I tell the truth, one that might be controversial and might get some people upset. That's all coming up with the Full Court Press. I'm Algy Salveson. Eric Francis out going to Utah State football practice. When he comes back, he'll return and report. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio. 106.9 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Andre Salas here on the full court press, 448. Your time is we're getting ready to wind down the first hour. Hey, just read a, uh, a tweet. Richard Burr, who's the U.S. Senator from North Carolina, he's also the chairman of the uh, Senate Select Committee on Intelligence. The, the announcement that the NCAA will permit athletes to be compensated for their names, images, and likenesses. Uh, it, was, it was a unanimous decision, by the way. Uh, Richard Burr <laughs> says, if college athletes are going to make money off their likenesses while in school, their scholarships should be treated like income. I'll be introducing legislation that subjects scholarships given to athletes who choose to cash into income taxes. I'll read that one more time. Just, I mean, it blows my mind that he said this. If college athletes are going to make money off their likenesses while in school, their scholarships should be treated like income. I'll be introducing legislation that subjects scholarships given to athletes who choose to cash in to income taxes. Good luck with that, Senator. Wishing you the very best. But don't worry. You're going to look like an absolute idiot while you're doing so. Just, I mean, what a dumb response. Why... <laughs> it makes no sense to me why you would do that. I, yeah, I don't, I don't get it. You know, it's, <laughs> why take something that we have that's good and then just throw mud on it? And it's, it's such a, I mean, just a dumb thought. But uh, yeah, good for you, man. Hope you uh, hope you live uh, life in a happy way, Senator. Can't really promise you you will, though. To be honest with you. Ah, <laughs> oh, jeez. Anyways, again, uh, good news for the NCAA. Uh, unanimously, have chosen, have decided that they'll permit athletes to be compensated for their names, images, and likenesses, according to the Board of Governors. And this is exactly what. Uh, what they needed, I think, for the NCAA. Now, it's how, I mean, they're going to be very careful how they phrase it, 
And they got to make sure that all loopholes are covered, right? You don't want to just jump at this thing full-fledged and not have your homework done. So, I mean, they're, they're going to have to be extremely, extremely careful. But, at, again, at the same time, I think it's going to work out just fine. Um, and I think, I think they'll be okay. So, uh, good for them. Good for them. All right, uh, just a reminder on uh, the tube tonight. Again, we'll, in the second hour, Eric will be back. Uh, he'll give us his thoughts on what he saw at practice, non-specifics, of course. And uh, he'll have some audio ready for you for Utah State. As they get ready for the BYU Cougars, 8 p.m. Saturday night, ESPN2. Uh, both teams, uh, you know, Cougars obviously coming off a bye week. Before that, they had just beaten Boise State at home. Utah State uh, comes off uh, a, a throttling loss to the Air Force Falcons, 31-7. By the way, uh, just so you know, everybody knows, you can find the audio to the press conference from Monday uh, on 1069thefan.com. I've actually posted... All the interviews from Anderson, Jordan Love, and T. Penalier. Uh, you can also find it on the podcast if you want to listen to it there. Uh, but it has all the press conference audio from uh, this past Monday to get you ready for the old wagon wheel rivalry this Saturday night. Uh, really quickly, a couple things coming up uh, on the tube, at least for tonight. Uh, Memphis Grizzlies, LA Lakers, that's tonight. By the way, Clippers are at Utah tomorrow. We'll recap the Utah-Phoenix game uh, from the other night. Uh, And uh, Atlanta at Miami and Dallas and Denver, that's really it. World Series will, hopefully for their sake, take over tonight in Game 6. Houston versus uh, the Nationals. Houston looking to get their second World Series title in three years. That will be at 6-7. on Fox. All right, we'll take a break, final break of the hour, and get you ready for the second hour. You'll listen to the Full Court Press on 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. The Aggies, the Jazz, the High Schools, the Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 1069 FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. I'll take Salveson here at 456 through time. We just got seconds left before we get you ready for the second hour of the Full Court Press. You're on 106 on FM, 1390 AM, The Fan. Grateful to have you wherever and however you are joining us. And don't forget, if you missed our show in its entirety, you can go back and listen to our podcast and you find it on all podcast platforms, 106, or excuse me, Stitcher, iTunes, and Spotify. We also have our presser from Monday with Utah State football, Gary Anderson, Jordan Love, and T. Penalier as a regroup from the Air Force loss. Get you ready for the BYU Cougars in what should be an absolutely dandy of a basketball game. We'll talk to you in the second hour of the Full Court Press. I'm Andrew Perloff from the Dan Patrick Show, filling in for DP, and this is Above the Noise. We all knew coming into the season that the Miami Dolphins weren't going to win a lot of games. At this point, you'd think fans were more focused on getting the number one overall pick. That's a goal. Last night's game might have made people nervous. Dolphins were up 14-0 on the Steelers early, and quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick looked great. They looked like they were headed for their first win, but then Fitzmagic turned Fitztragic, and Miami found a way to lose. But don't get too excited, Dolphins fans. You have competition for the top pick. The Bengals are 0-8 and not looking good. Miami and Cincinnati play each other in Week 16 in what could be a heated battle for draft position. Now, there's a lot of football left, and both teams could trip into a win or two. But for right now, it looks like we have an old-fashioned tank-off. Good luck to both teams. Or, should we say, hopefully they'll have really bad luck the rest of the season and be rewarded next April in the NFL Draft. I'm Andrew Perloff. 
And this is Above the Noise.